0: Welcome to Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationship Conquest, and I'm here with friends and colleagues, Tim Stein, Dan Drake, and Jeannie Vitoni. and today we're talking about the second part of a three-part series on shame. So our first podcast was sh- talking about shame in general, and today we're talking about shame with partners of sex addicts. So um, I'm, I'm happy to be talking about this topic because a lot of times the focus is on uh, the addict and that uh, we talk with, about partners having betrayal trauma, which is a really important subject and something that is consistent with partners that find out that um, they're partners or loved ones have been um, sexually acting out inappropriately uh, to the extent of being addicted to compulsive sexual behavior. So um, so we we want to talk about this piece, though, how partners feel deep shame on a lot of different levels.
1: So how would you, I mean, we, we've talked about betrayal trauma and how it is connected to shame but how would you separate those two out how would you define betrayal trauma and how would you separate that from the experience of shame
0: so i would first land on the word trauma Mm -hmm. so a lot of people don't realize or it's hard to understand that when someone finds out that they are in a a close intimate relationship with someone that has been chronically lying to them and also chronically acting out with others uh, sexually, secretly, that that causes a traumatic experience. So uh, it's a great question, Tim. Is shame a byproduct of the betrayal trauma? Is it a totally separate thing? Um, that's, I think this sort of a great question. What I'm do you really, all
2: think? Well, I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think for people who are outside of that experience, they don't really understand how, sh- why would the partner feel shame if they're the ones being lied to? Mm-hmm. And for people who are inside the situation as someone who's experienced this or practitioner, We absolutely see that a lot of partners have shame for many different reasons that um, we would maybe call carried shame, like shame for his behavior, even though I didn't do it. And so I'm glad we're talking about it because I feel like it gives voice for a lot of people who are like, why do I feel ashamed? And then they worry and Mm self-doubt. So by validating their experience, as we're doing just by naming this episode, part two, you know? I, i'm I'm really glad we're doing this.
0: I wonder if it would be helpful for each of us to go through and start naming all the different ways that partners feel shame. So, um, so, so I can start with a social shame. So um when you know, um, when my neighbors find out that this has been happening, or, um people at work find out that that this has been happening that that i feel ashamed um that 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 this just that that this has happened in my marriage Mm
2: -hmm. so
0: i'll name that piece Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: i see all the time esther perel you know talked about this first and i was this idea of you know the scarlet letter nathaniel hawthorne's book Mm -hmm. back in the day was was the the person who committed adultery or an affair um, there's shame about that in society back back in the day. I think today I see a lot of shame for partners of staying after infidelity, mm-hmm. as the new Scarlet Letter, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I I've seen that play out where, simplistically, it's easy to say on the outside, you know, if I if I were with someone who did X, Y, and Z, I would never stay. And we have our clients will hear this from friends, family members, <clears throat> you know, loved ones. They'll they'll hear all this stuff. And yet in our at least in my experience, I don't know for you all, but more often than not, when you have an intimate relationship with someone, people don't generally leave right away because we're attached, we have an attachment, there's intimacy, there's connection, there's kids, there's intertwined lives, there's whatever, all these kinds of things. So I think this simplistic idea that, that that someone's gonna leave after infidelity isn't generally what plays out. People tend to stay. And then how do we sit with this idea that like we're not supposed to stay after someone treats us this way? So theoretically, we're not supposed to.
2: Yeah, closer. yeah, yeah. I was thinking with with your example, Dan. You know, two parts of shame that they're staying—that external, like my neighbors. You know, are thinking less of me, but I think also for the partners, like I have shame that I'm staying mm. because I always thought I would. You know, I've heard a lot of partners. I told him as we got into this relationship, for example, like if you ever, I'm gonna. And then because of so many factors you beautifully named, they don't. And so then who am I? And then shameful about my own behavior that I'm choosing to stay. So I think that would be the part that I offer into that, Wendy. Mm -hmm. Tim?
1: Yeah, when I think about the shame that we're talking about, and I, I frame it as on one end of the continuum of shame is embarrassment. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that feeling less than or fear of being judged as less than. And I think that there's an aspect of shame that comes up with partners sometimes around themselves, which is how could I not have known this was going on? How could I have been? Uh, how could I have been in this relationship for so long with without knowing or that this was happening, or I suspected, but I didn't really push to know that? Or maybe even a, a deep sense of shame of how could I have been attracted to this person? when this possibility or this behavior or this dynamic was already there, what does that mean about me? And that, that sense of somehow I'm less than because I didn't know, I didn't see, or I had that, that attraction to them in the first place. And how, how painful is that to start, start judging ourselves as being less than because of, you know, what, what, what we um, experienced or what we were attracted to in a relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's uh, two pieces maybe more in that. So what I heard you say Tim was um, how uh, how can I be with a person right mm-hmm. who are is who um, has been doing these things? How did I pick someone like that? Um, and then the other piece is how did I not know? Yeah. And that is how 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 how. So the way that I, I hear it a lot of times is how could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so naive? How could I have been living my life uh, thinking one thing, one kind of reality, and this other uh, reality was happening and
2: I didn't know? I think a lot of shame comes up on that level too. Yeah. I'm thinking of, I can think of a couple of different people here, the shame of I knew something And I didn't step forward into it to find out more. Like I came across the pornography or I saw that receipt and I, you know, whatever reason, Then there's many reasons of, I saw there was something wrong and I didn't say anything. There's a lot of shame and regret, you know, later on for those folks. And again, that that turning into self-anger and how painful it is when they do become ready to deal with it because then there's the pain of betrayal and then there's the pain of their conscious or unconscious choice to not lean in and to find out more in that and moment. This,
3: and how, especially compounded, if it's not, if it's compounded over, you know, years or decades for Absolutely. many of our clients, like, oh, wow, this is not just spanning a month, two months, it could be decades.
2: Yes, yes. So there's is another there, example or or moment where shame, experience of shame.
0: Do you think there's shame If
2: a partner
0: stays and the addict is doing better and in recovery, and then there's a a relapse, do you think the partner feels shame all over again? Or they
1: might, I I don't know that every partner does, but if, Mm -hmm. if an addict has a relapse, it wouldn't surprise me if the partners, you know, Trauma responses come up again if they drop into that place of feeling shame about how did I not see the signs that this was coming? Yeah. Or or any other way that they experience that. It certainly, certainly wouldn't surprise me. And that and relates what?
0: to your first question, Tim, which is so, so we you know if someone has a relapse, there's going to be another trauma hit, right? That's yeah, right. you're going to have that trauma come up. And then the shame, the trauma will come up, but does the shame come up?
3: as well. That's one way I've definitely Mm -hmm. seen this play out. I don't know if you've seen this Um, over the years, especially when a partner sets a boundary, sometimes they'll do the non-negotiable. If you ever do X, Y, and Z again, I I will, I'll leave you a divorce. So I, I, I try to give a lot of, instead of saying a hard and fast rule, this is what I'm going to do give some, you know, around a boundary among the options I may choose are, you know, how, or I reserve the right to change my, like, I think the shame I sometimes see with partners after a relapse is they said a non-negotiable, if you ever do this again, it's over. And yet what happens if there's a relapse, the, the addict relapses now, what does the partner do? And what if the partner chooses to stay even after the relapse or now if you... the extra shame level of I I said something and now I'm not keeping my own word. And what do I do? What yeah. does that say about me is kind of the, the, the feeling.
1: I I find that coming up problematic if if uh, the if the partner has felt the need to set that absolute uh, boundary that absolute consequence, and then if the addict does really well in their program and really well with sobriety, and then has a a you know I don't like this word but a slip or a small we've already re- addressed that in another one yeah I was like that's another
0: podcast <laughs>
1: but you know if, if if they have a relapse not deep end of their addiction and staying there, but they have a relapse, but it's after this long, long period of doing well. And the partner feels like, but I set this, I set this absolute consequence. And if I don't follow through with it, you know, what, what happens. And so there, I, I agree with you. I I always encourage people to do the, I will, there will be a response and it may include these as opposed to this is the absolute consequence that will happen if this ever happens ever again.
2: Dan, I want to come back because in our our talk about shame, there's also like, here's an idea, here's a suggestion of ways to structure responses so you don't accidentally put yourself in a place that you might experience shame later. For example, with the non-negotiables, it's here's a list of things I may choose to do. And I just kind of want to pause there and and let the the listeners hear that part, because there's some work if you if you do some structuring, should you get into a relapse situation with your loved one? you know, that you've got some wiggle room for yourself so you haven't put yourself into aI don't know if I want to follow that, and if I don't, will I feel more shame? So I just kind of want to slow down and highlight that of you know, what Dan said, and, and, you know, here's a list of options of things I may choose to do and that you have some good options and what you, you get to do what feels right for you in that moment. That's a way to avoid some additional shame maybe later. So for those who are listening
0: and watching, this is conversations on sex addiction and relationships. And today we're talking about shame for partners of sex addicts. This is uh, part two of a three part series on shame. So we basically created um, a list of ways that shame can manifest for the partner. and what I want to address is the piece of I came across some information and I didn't say anything and I feel really ashamed about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, what I find is that partners a lot of times get criticized um, or, um, or taken to task uh, for their denial and I put that in quotes for the for for being in denial and um, I really believe that when um, when information is coming into the partner's world that many times she is aware on or he she or he is aware on some level but um there's this challenge with, but I trust right I trust my partner. So the moment that we stop trusting is the moment that suspicion comes in, or and so there's that piece. There's also the piece of, am I seeing this correctly? Um, it, 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 um, and I, I have a a saying that goes, when the wolves are howling at the window, you're not going to open the door meaning when you are facing something that can be so threatening and so scary and so debilitating this possibility that there can be sexual impropriety um that it's a scary thing to to really look at that and and dig deeper i I certainly have had partners that have hired private investigators and but the moment that you you do something like that, what if the private investor comes back and says, No, no, yeah, yeah, he's just going to the store and ambling around and there's there's nothing. Now that person has really done something pretty uh, assertive. And then does that partner do they keep it a secret? Do then they, they share that? And then the other person goes, Why in heaven's name would you do that? So I, you know, I want to say it, it, it can be shameful of saying, wow, I, I, I knew, but I didn't do anything. But there's a lot of, I think, uh, wisdom in perhaps waiting, um, wisdom and saying, boy, I, I, I don't know, but I'll just be more aware. Or I will, I, at, at the end of the day, if something's going on, I can say, I totally trust it. I can stand there and say, I totally trusted my partner. Um, and there is some integrity and finesse with that.
3: And isn't there, I was just thinking of one one piece that's that's usually part of the story, if, if the scenario you're painting is active denial, gaslighting, lying, by the addicts themselves. So not only maybe the partner can see something, but then you have an alibi being shared or dismissal or kind of uh, you know bypassing the partner's intuition and all these kinds of things that go on. So I actually love, I, I found this a really compassionate approach. Janice Cottle, I've heard her use it. I don't know if she got it somewhere else, but um, I'll credit her with it. The idea of hindsight signs um, when you look backwards. So, Why didn't I see this or this happened? I knew this. Um, All of us have better vision 2020 when we're looking backwards, when we can see now it's, I'm spanning two decades and I can see there was this incident that didn't quite sit right. I didn't, it got explained away or I just didn't do anything with it. And then I had this and I had this and I had this. Now that I can look back, I can see a, a bigger picture. But looking at these as hindsight signs, not judgmentally, just saying, oh, now I can see them, but it's with the frame of, at the time I didn't know what I was looking for. I trusted my, my spouse or partner. Why wouldn't I? Cause that's what we do in a relationship. It's more, it's more normal. It's, it's, it's pathological. If I'm getting into a relationship, not trusting someone, right? Like that's more problematic. So why wouldn't I trust someone that they are who they say they are until, I, glad, until something else is shown differently. Right.
2: I'm glad you, you said that Dan, cause that's exactly what I was thinking of is we want in healthy relationships. You want trust. You want a relationship where you can trust what someone's saying and they can trust you. That is the I that's the ideal. That's what we're all going for. And I and I think partners tend to be self-critical when they say, I why was I trusting him? You know, and so because it's beautiful.
3: Again, that's right? what we do. That's, that's what amazing. we want to that's do. That's a good
2: thing. And you were not controlling of the deception of your loved one, but to to self-blame, which creates the shame of i shouldn't have trusted why was i doing that you know it's like no that's a beautiful thing we don't want trusting to be a pathological and i really liked how you just explained that and shared that a little bit because i'm wondering guys do you also hear from others of i i should have known or i shouldn't have trusted him i i gave him the benefit of the doubt him or her you know i i it didn't sound quite right but i went with it and then they're self blaming which is shame of why they gave their loved one the benefit of the doubt
3: yeah I also one thing I just thought about that we didn't put in list of shame you know we've uh, are there different shame th- is there a different experience of shame if it's a male partner versus a female partner mm-hmm. um, do they feel shame differently I don't know that we have all the answers but I've I've seen differences I mean if it's a mm-hmm. heterosexual couple male male partner female addict what does that shame look like differently than the other way around or, Mm -hmm. you know, a gay couple, whatever, whatever the constellation is, does it look different? Mm -hmm. What do you guys think?
2: In my work with male partners, it looks a bit different. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: It tends to be, and this is my generalization based on limited numbers and all those things. And I want to say like, we need more research. We need more data. We need more information, but I do see my male partners question their masculinity and who they show up as a man in the world. And I I don't see that as much with my female partners that they question their femininity. They question their sexuality of being sexually good enough or attractive enough. But I don't see them question their femininity in the world. What do you guys see if you have any experience with these? Right.
0: I I see similar. Um, So um, so I I think uh, let's see. I see with both. It's you know, am I am I um, enough of a man? And I see a lot with the women. I'm am I am I enough of a woman? But with the women, that phrase can look very different in a lot of different ways. Um, and consistently, the 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 bottom line uh, message is I'm not enough. So they'd say to themselves, I'm, I'm just not enough. And that can be, I'm not enough sexually. I'm not enough. Um, uh, uh, with pleasing my, my partner, I'm not enough uh, making money or being you know, financially uh, contributing. It can manifest in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So what does the healing process for partners look like? hmm Mm-hmm. I, when you guys were talking about, and, and, and I'm going to push on the, the other side here, which might be a little controversial, but when, when you're talking about, we don't want to blame, of course, we want to trust our partner. We want to do that, but there's the piece about healing from shame, which is, I don't care who you are, addict partner, or, you know, um, civilian out there who has nothing to do with addiction when we're healing from our own shame in that process, there's an importance of being willing to embrace accountability, which doesn't mean that I'm judging myself as bad, but it's, it is saying, you know, in hindsight, I wish I'd handled that differently, or I didn't handle that the way that I wish I would have. Or I, I, there were these signals that were there that I ignored and I wish I hadn't. And, my experience is when we don't embrace or step into that accountability and struggle with it, if we just sort of automatically give ourselves a pass and say, well, you know, that's, that's not on me. I, 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 I find that the, the wounds of the shame linger a little bit longer and are, are more difficult to shake off than people who are willing to step in and struggle with accountability and find their way through that to find grace and forgiveness on the other side. Okay. so Yeah, I wonder if we want to keep <laughs> that in.
2: Yeah, I'm having a big reaction. I know. To yeah. the word accountability.
3: Yeah, I was going to frame it differently. Yeah.
2: Okay. For me, that feels very um, addict related. It feels um punitive it feels a bit blaming and so I want to find another word I I hear and I think what I hear you saying is how can anyone who's dealing with anything have self-agency and increased capacity to work on their own experiences and make a progress of growth
0: so what I heard when Tim was talking the word that popped in my head was differentiation this is a term that um we talk about a lot went with um adolescents uh, differentiating from their parents when they get to be a certain age and it's this piece of saying you're you and i'm me and we we can have a relationship but but we're different um and we're similar we can be similar in a lot of ways but i am not you and you are not me (laughs) Um, And so with enmeshment, and we've done an episode on enmeshment, differentiation is um, not encouraged um, and not supported. Um, So the the idea is that that kiddo merges with the parent. So um, if you have a situation in a coupleship where the two are merged, um, it can, that the, when one person is acting a certain way, the other person says, wow, I must have something to do with that, or um, I can have something to do with that. I, I, I can, you know, fix them in some way. And so what I see is that when a couple is in recovery and they get to a certain stage that um, the partner is able to say, you know, I, I am not responsible for what mm-hmm. you did. And um, it, it, some partners will go to the, the, the point of saying, this is your problem. This is your issue. You need to fix it. You need to deal with it. Um, I'm not a fan of that stance. It sounds very aggressive to me um, and very uh, a cut off cold. Um, so what I prefer is this piece of wow, there was, there's something happening for you. Um, and I am in support of you figuring it out. This has had an effect on me. I need to really figure how I can heal from this. And then we see where we meet and how, and where we are as far as uh, trust and a foundation. Um,
1: so where does that, where does that lead to for, what what we were talking about, which is that partner healing. I got a thought. Let's go for partner healing, Dan. And it's maybe emerged because I I mean, I, I hear
3: the spirit of what you're saying, Tim. I think I will look back at those hindsight signs. So let's say my intuition said something. I either explained it away. My partner was really convincing and I believed it. So now I get to look at how do I empower myself moving forward, reconnecting with my intuition and then speaking mm-hmm. to that intuition i do think so i guess it I, I don't know maybe i'm it's like word accountability but there's something i do think it's helpful to look how how did i how did i go from my intuition said something to not acting on that yeah. and how do we move in empower so that i don't do that moving forward i trust my intuition my gut said something i was right and i don't i don't want to do the same thing again. So I yeah. guess maybe it's the same thing of what you're
1: saying, but it, just a little different spirit. Well, it, it's it's not using that that word that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> but but it it but what I hear you saying is like, yeah, I can look back and I can say, I wish I'd done this differently, and I'm moving to be able to do it different moving moving forward. And I'm not pretending that in the past I wish I had handled that differently. I'm I'm acknowledging that while I'm giving myself grace for the situation I was in. I'm acknowledging how overwhelming and how difficult that was and I'm moving towards empowerment so that I can live my life differently moving forward and and make the choices that match my intuition that that allow me to be the person that I want to be in my life
3: maybe, maybe it's the like I, let's say I buy I buy a house with no inspection um, yeah. And I, you know, I move forward in faith and whatever. And their things break down. It's like n- n- none of us can make the best decisions if we don't have all the information. And we know addicts withhold all the information. So partners make good decisions. They just were withheld critical pieces of information by their their significant mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Once I know the information, now I can I can understand more of my responses given that information. I think that that feels a little different. I can trust my intuition moving forward in a different way. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: I want I to bring in one piece because I know we're going to be wrapping up really soon and I'm talking about healing shame. Um, one of the suggestions I would put out there is talking to other people who are in the know, mm-hmm. talking to other people who understand yeah. betrayal, trauma, sex addiction, yeah. because if, and and this is nothing against the folks who are on the outside of the experience, but sometimes if you seek counsel for for, excuse me, from folks who are outside, they'll give you their best that they've got. Absolutely. They love you. They support you. They want to give you hope and help, but sometimes because they're uneducated in this area, their, their words might be more helpful, harmful. So getting help within this community, there's, there's lots of resources that will help validate the experience. So it doesn't fully uh, further impact or impound it's better word, the shame. So, Seeking good counsel with other people, especially Absolutely. in peer support.
1: So I don't want to make this addict focus, but as we're sort of wrapping this up, um, I wonder if there are just some quick things that we would suggest to addicts of what they can do to support their partner as their partner is dealing with moving through and healing from their uh, their shame.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, to me, one one first
3: of all the addict can certainly not continue to lie gaslight blame shift that absolutely that has to stop so i think that that's the first thing i would say definitely for the addict to reassure the partner i did this i lied to you um you know really taking responsibility and accountability for their own behaviors and saying this wasn't you didn't do anything here this this was this was me that caused the the rupture here i think that can go a long way to to, for the for the partner to not try and take this on Mm -hmm. for himself
0: yeah. What else do you guys We're, think? I think the words "This wasn't your fault" are really powerful for the addict to say to the partner. I was going to
2: say one thing, which was, and if the addict is in a place of good recovery and can get to this, is um, expressing remorse for yeah. the impact of their behavior on the betrayed partner. I think that really does help a partner with deal with the shame right. so when their loved one gets how it's created the shame experience and their pain.
1: I think the the last piece I would throw in is for the addict to give the their partner the autonomy to figure out what their healing path looks like for this instead of what we see addicts do sometimes step in and say, oh, let me tell you how you're supposed to heal your shame because I know and to be able to step back and say, whatever your path is, I will support you.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I'll support you for however long it takes because addicts can get um, impatient yeah. with the healing of the partner.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, everyone, thank you for joining us as we uh, we talked about shame part two, about how it impacts the partners. I'm a little bit too happy with that particular <laughs> statement, but shame part two, how it impacts partners. So glad that uh, you guys are joining us for this conversation. If, if you liked this, um Even if you didn't, I hope you rate us well on Spotify or YouTube or wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. And I hope you join us again for the next conversation.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.